Welcome to episode 37 of the Making Geeks podcast. We are the podcast for makers, dads, and geeks. And we have our crew with us today, Mr. Josh Price. Hello. Mr. Mark O'Keefe. Yo. Mr. Wes Wayne. Good evening. And I'm Sean Jolliker. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Doing good. Good. Almost to the end of another week. Yes. Summer's feeling a little bit closer, at least... We tend to skip seasons here in California, so we're, I think we're going to skip, skip over spring and go straight into summer. It was like 85 today. So I, we I have officially that, I, like canceled winter down yeah. here in Georgia. <laughs> I think we signed Same. a petition, and it, we, it, it passed. Winter, winter's still fighting up here. It was, it was almost 70 today, and we're supposed to get three inches of snow tomorrow. That's nuts. <laughs> But I, I got to like my my it's bittersweet for me because, yes, I want summer to come. But then that also means my work is just going to go nuts on the island because we're getting another 30,000 customers. Mm. That's good, though, right? But, uh... <laughs> are, are these people that weren't connected before or just changing to your service? It, well, it's the uh, it's the the su- the summer crowd. The people go on vacation, so they activate oh. all their houses. So people have TV while they go to the beach. <laughs> so yeah, so another another thirty thousand people come down, and all the traffic lights get turned back on. And what would take <laughs> me what would take me about a half hour to get from one end of the island to the other turns into an hour and a half. And I will say, if anyone goes on vacation and they they know they have the right of way and they decide to walk out in front of the cars because it's their right to that that's what they have a crosswalk, so they just walk out in front of the cars. Metal wins, people. Stop doing that. Because you can't sue the, the big name truck when you're dead. And that's my PSA for the episode. <laughs> I've heard stories of, of women like pushing their strollers out in front of traffic to get the cars to stop, and I'm just like, I get that like feeling in my the bottom of my stomach. Anyway, that's my random tangent for the episode. <laughs> I will try and stay on track. Grumpy Mark is grumpy. Crouchy. It's weird now because we're going back to. We're going back to the Panhandle, Florida this weekend, where we're from. And it's we're going back to the beach and the island, like you're talking about, but just down here. And I guess now, like, we're the tourists. Like, we haven't lived there in so long and have Georgia plates. And it's weird. I'm just as much now that person I used to get irritated at when I was a kid. Like, during the <laughs> summer months, I would, you know, clog up all the roads and take up all the reservations at the restaurants. And I guess I'm that person now. Is the uh, <laughs> is the culture of the Panhandle different than say like Miami or like some of the? the oh spots? yeah, it's night and day. Like, ugh. it's so much more chill in the Panhandle. I don't know. It's it's not even really Florida. Like people call it Lower Alabama, which is pretty much <laughs> what it is. It's it's a lot more rural. Um, it's the most beautiful beach in the world, and it's kind of nice because not. I don't know, I, it used to be like not a whole lot of people knew about it around like Destin and Fort Walton Beach. And so now that Destin's been in like some popular TV shows and it's kind of like a destination, a little getaway, like there's a lot more people. But yeah, it was a super cool place to grow up because it was just nice and calm and relaxed. And oh, I like I want to move back there, but not yet. I imagine that has to be frustrating when you have almost like a little piece of what you'd consider your own, but then once it becomes popular, it becomes known, then, you know, that little bit of that magic is almost kind of gone. You get the kind of emo mentality. It's like, well, I, I lived there before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Panhandle uh, hipsters. Mm-hmm. It's the good old folk. Bunch of, bunch of good-hearted country folk. On the beach. How about you, Wes? Anything special going on? Sorry, what? 
Yeah. I, I missed the word you said, Wes. I didn't hear that. Oh, just ask if you have anything special going on oh. for our kind of intro, I guess. Uh, just um, the usual stuff, working on Izzy's TMA page, adding some new features, and uh, trying not to s- spend all my waking hours playing Zelda. <laughs> you know, I just real I just realized you have to be really careful when you say TMA page and you don't say TNA page. I yes. think you did too. <laughs> yes. That's I'm sure a, I'm sure that would be successful page. as well. Yeah. It could be, yeah. Like that bad photo that was being passed around of the uh the tool belt. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> oh the tool belt thong. Yeah. That that needs to stop showing up in my feed. I just I don't need hairy bum every other flip. Every time I see it, I keep thinking that I, I let a picture out that I didn't want to get out. <laughs> I keep thinking it should be like, that should be the Duluth trading uh, ad or something, because that's along their lines of humor. <laughs> Except theirs would be a cartoon and funny and not uncomfortable. <laughs> should make like welding, like a, a welding thong. <laughs> little burnt marks yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to picture that <laughs> oh I can't help but I already did <laughs> does it have like a flip down like groin cover like for when you start welding I think that's all it would be <laughs> <laughs> welding codpiece right yep well, a little welding it's- blanket material no, it's it's the cup they used in um on a stepper motor. So you don't get sunburned down there, right? Hmm. Super troopers. <laughs> it's that cup. Oh nice. That little guy? That little guy? Don't worry about that little guy. Oh man. And see Zelda We're off the rails pretty early. And uh <clears throat> getting ready for uh, Atlanta. I got a new batch of stickers and uh trying to figure out what all I need to bring down there to the woodworking show. In Atlanta at the end of March, which I heard one of you guys is going to go to now. I'm going to go. Right? Yeah. Should be fun. I think my my stickers are going to kind of be like, <clears throat> excuse me, like Kyle Kyle Toast in Boston, where he only brought like three. <laughs> some <laughs> some like competition style. Like at the end of the thing, like I was bestowed like a Kyle Toast sticker, and I was like, oh, I made the cut. So that, that's I'm going <laughs> to sparse out my last couple stickers. Very nice ceremonial type, like <laughs> and take a knee, sir. <laughs> I got a good like handful a of making geek stickers too. I'll bring down as well. Awesome. It feels weird being on the other side of the table now with you know this big event going on, and I'm going to be hearing about everybody else having fun. And mm-hmm. It's almost like a little bit of karma for what happened in Boston. Yeah. But then, you know, May will roll around the corner soon enough for Maker yeah, Fair. Maker Fair, and I'll, I'll be going to VidCon in June as well. So I guess I, cool. have, I have that too. I'll have to go to that one year once I actually make videos again. <laughs> well, you you made a video the other day. Yes, but one I did. I did make a video the other day. came out pretty well. It did. It was pretty cool. Thanks. The, the lighting looked pretty good too. I don't know if you changed anything in the the shot i used this webcam that we're um recording our skype conversation with it's pretty good quality actually as long as you have a they did a pretty cool job with the animation with all the logos and stuff too it was pretty neat oh thanks yeah i want to do something a little different a little unexpected we'll have a link to it in the show notes now this is my fancy atlanta announcement <laughs> we're going to atlanta other people should too <laughs> the end. Or so, don't. Whatever. It's up to you. So I'm ha- not a half of Mickey Geeks will be in uh, Atlanta. That's right. All the major podcasts will be represented in some percentage. All right. So, what are we talking about? This week, we're looking at the topic of kind of like missing the bus with not being full time makers um, as of right now. Is there any kind of concern that we're kind of like missing our chance to to make the impact that we want to or 
you know, the certain one big project that we want to make or maybe be known for? Are we worried that somebody else is going to beat us to the punch? Um, do we have a time frame or a, you know, window in order to make some of these things happen? So I think this bird from Sean, you brought up this topic. I know that we're all kind of battling this, but where did the topic come from? Yeah. So the the, con- the initial context for this was one, and I've mentioned this on, on previous episodes. One of the main reasons why I started making it and getting into this was because I had this idea for a a project that I also thought would make a decent product, especially in terms of education. That is a customizable pinball table, maybe three quarter size, maybe even a little bit smaller. They would allow people to move pieces around the play field and customize their their pinball experience and different add-ons um, to that too that I I won't outline here. And one of the other makers that I, I watch pretty regularly named um, Ben Heck in his last show just talked about a similar plan. And it was initially frustrating because to me that was kind of a special and unique idea, something that I was kind of holding for my own. Even though I've mentioned it in some capacity, I haven't. I've never really wanted to say a whole lot about it. In fact, I think I've probably only spoken the most to, uh, about it to Wes um, in Boston. But now that I've seen that he's planning on doing it, it was a little bit disconcerting because one, he has the ability to do it. He's done a lot of projects, and he has the ability to take it to market as well. So it discouraged me because I wasn't going to be the first one, or you know that that possibility was taken away. I'm still going to go forward with the project because I think there's a lot to be gained from it. Um, a lot of skills that I don't currently have that I want to learn through the course of the project. But there's that one thing that was making it special that's mm. now kind of gone. Some of the magic is gone, right? Some of it, yeah. Like a, a punch to the gut. A little bit. And it's not the first time yeah. that's happened to me either. Um, yeah. I think I'd be used to it by now, but I was kind of looking <laughs> forward to this one. Yeah, I've had a, a project similar to that like uh, that I really wanted to do. A couple years ago, um, there was a—I think I mentioned it before. There was a character in the Gears of War three game that I worked on that no one had actually made a costume for because it's pretty complicated. You can think kind of like a a porcupine, like an alien porcupine with spines that kind of are all over and everything, and it's very intricate and a really cool character. And no one actually made that costume before. And then I think it was like last year, someone did it for the first time, and they got like tons of you know. Uh, eyeballs on them and all that stuff and it was a little bit of a a blow you know my my interest and desire to make something is and probably shouldn't be this way but a lot of it is because it's unique and novel you know that a lot of that i don't really want to do something that a lot of other people have done you know make it like a master sword or an iron man helmet like everyone or a mask everyone's done that you know as far as like, especially in like the 3D printing realm, um, Thor's hammer, just things that, not that there's nothing to be gained from doing them. I'm sure I'll learn something, but if I want to put the time into it, I'd rather have it be more unique, I guess. I think there's also something to be said about, I mean, yeah, you're not the first one to come out and do it, mm-hmm. but you can also see what that person did, what worked, what didn't. And how you would improve on it because there's, I mean, you can always let them have the pitfalls of screwing up first, too. True. But then, I mean, none of us really think the same with every single aspect of it. So it's it's when you eventually do do it, it's still going to be different than what somebody else did. You know, so there's yeah, there, there's that, too. I, put, not, I probably put too much weight on that for a lot of my projects. That's why I try to keep a lot of them close to the chest. Cause I feel if I do, you know, I want to tell people about them cause they're really cool. But if I let it slip or something, I'm afraid the wrong person will hear it and make it before yeah. me. There is like a weird pride element that's attached to it also. You yeah. know, be, being first to market is, mm. is kind of a big thing. Um, it doesn't always guarantee that you're going to have more views than anybody else. But I think there is a, a little bit of value in that at times. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with another maker that has an audience like he does. It makes it more uh, possible to have to actually become a reality, I guess. Yeah. Like you said. 
We think companies but, spend, I mean, yeah, millions good. of dollars on like espionage prevention and things like that to try to keep their ideas exclusive and try to reach market ahead of their competitors. So it's nothing new. I mean, you're mm-hmm. just doing it on in a venue that promotes open sharing of ideas for free. Like, so the idea of trying to to gain a foothold where there isn't one in the avenue that we choose to use is really really difficult because. Like I said, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast. So you've you've taken the idea that you, know, you would like to keep close to the chest, and we've already broadcasted it out to people for free. So it's even if you do have an awesome idea, there's nothing preventing that someone else from seeing that video, your final product. Like even if you went to market today, there's nothing preventing everybody else from doing the exact same thing and being like an immediate competitor. And so it's it's really hard to, when you have an idea to try to foster that idea, to try to grow it, and then try to immediately have to think about what is coming next. Not just try to build it up and make that thing better because someone's going to take that idea and they're going to expound on it immediately. Because you don't have the time to keep something in you know, a classified R&D. Like Lucius Fox is not downstairs with a tumbler. Like you're going to put <laughs> it out <laughs> on YouTube today. And you know, someone tomorrow is going to make one that's bigger or cost less, or it's the YouTube, it's the YouTube arms Star Wars themed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's in our particular venue, it's really, really difficult to try to maintain that exclusivity. It is, especially yeah, especially because we're not full time. So it's it's uh, maybe I can get this done after work, whereas someone else is. Hey, I'm working on this for. 10 to 12 hours every day this week. You know, in my initial example is a little bit different only because I was looking at this as being a, a product that I, I wanted to sell. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a different set of uh, rules than just the YouTube because, you know, I, I put out a, a video making a lightsaber, but there's tons of those on the internet and there's nothing saying that a viewer can't watch both videos and give both videos that attention. But when you're looking at buying an actual product, that's a little bit different because that's direct money usually being spent to buy this thing. So, I mean, I think that even relates to, you know, Mark, what you've talked about, you know, what you want to do, you know, the products you want to make, that could very well be a reality in a way too. Yes. Somebody else could, you know, start doing the desktop injection molding thing and get into a space that you've already been planning to do. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a very I've I've kept an eye on that, and that is, yeah. it is a concern for me, and it's not for I mean, because I yes, I want to monetize that, but on the other hand of it, I I just I want my own toys. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I'm gonna when I do start making stuff to st- to sell, it's going to be stuff that. I want to play with or I want to display. So even if someone does, and I, I also have this thing where like if someone else does beat me to something, well, I'm going to go, well, I'm still going to do it because I want to either make it better or I, I want to make it on my own. Cause we, like with a lot of 3d printers, they there's, there's a lot of guys that pull stuff off Thingiverse and, and all the websites to just print that. I have, I have a, a really weird mental thing where I don't want to print anything I didn't design, even if it is on Thingiverse. You know, I want I want that experience of designing it from scratch. I want to make it, you know, completely yeah. on my own without having to have gone anywhere else other than you know go to someone or something to get the knowledge. So ultimately, when I have that final product, I can say I designed this from scratch. This is completely one hundred percent, you know, my thing. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's there's people doing some stuff that I've been trying to do, but they're they're doing it by hand and sculpting. So it's it, it's their version and method is a significantly more artistic ability to to do what I ultimately am going to try and do. But I also haven't seen anyone do what I have in mind for it. So I am if if I can get out get this out there first. That will be awesome, but even if I don't, I'm still going to do it because I want to. Yeah, and that's. Nishan, that, I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say. I mean, that's that's ultimately what what we should do. I, 
somebody I was, I was watching a video with a friend of mine and they said if you're going to do this stuff to make money you're going to fail you should do it because you want to do it and if you happen to make money on while you're doing it yay now sean were you discouraged when you saw ben heck like the motivation that you had to make this product and your desire to want to do it because it's been around for a while like just because he started it does it make you want to do it less or does it dampen your motivation to get started actually actually no and i'll be good i'll I'll be completely honest on this too is that it's been almost two years now maybe a little bit longer since i started making um and i'm talking about making as a hobby not as making videos on youtube it's i started doing some stuff before i started making videos and two years later and i still haven't done anything so yeah. I, I have to be honest with myself too, saying, "How important is this project? What am I waiting for? Why haven't I started?" Because uh-huh. I've had I've had two years to get started doing something, and at this point, I really don't have any more than a couple of drawings, and a couple of schematics that I've pulled for how to do the flipper system, without using solenoids. So I can't get that upset at it because I've had two years to start on something, and. I don't have any immediate plans to do it yet either. So I, I don't know. So it's not even right to get mad at somebody else doing it when I haven't even done my due diligence yet and started the project. So, yeah. and besides the fact that this guy does this for a living and if anybody was going to beat me to the punch, I'm actually kind of glad it's him. He's somebody I like and somebody I have respect for and somebody who I think would be able to do it right. Um, mm. As opposed to, you know, if it, if it was somebody else in the I Like to Make Stuff group, I would probably feel differently about it just because I think there's a little bit of a different camaraderie and competition there. But um, yeah, I, I have to be honest with myself about that. And it's not the first time this has happened. And I just kind of have to know myself that way. What other example? Um, I've given this example on the podcast before. Uh, before when I did the uh, the Film Reviews podcast. There was a another group that did something that I wanted to work towards um, in terms of integrating video and doing movie reviews and games and, and all this stuff. It was, a, it was a show called the Totally Rad Show that would and I've, I've given description of them before. And they came out about a week before I came out with my podcast for film reviews, and they beat me to the punch, but there was no way I could really be jealous because those guys were already actors and directors and already had an audience, so to, you know, so to speak. And I had nobody. And my brother-in-law and I grew from basically a zero audience to like 2000 downloads an episode. Um, so I did make progress, but I never got to the level I wanted to be to really compete with them and do what they were doing. So is this, is the problem of not, kind of carrying the torch on whatever project that you're talking about. Is it, is it disappointment or is it jealousy or is it both? It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both having the time, having the connection and having the money to go forward on some of these projects. And I don't know if that's something that we've really talked about before. Um, there's a lot of things that I haven't done because a lot of these things cost money and I'm in a situation where I have to really try to recoup anything that I spend um, just for, you know, family and, and what we're spending on just, you know, uh, household stuff. And it kind of changes the equation a little bit for what I can do, what I choose to do. And it's one of the reasons why I haven't gone forward in some projects that I've had planned for, for almost a year. I'm just not ready to spend that money yet. Wes, what about you? Because I know you keep, like you said, a lot of things close to the chest, like... Is it is your idea or the concept of a project like are you let down if someone else like thinks of it first or does it take some of the wind out of the sail? Uh, for me, unfortunately, it does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it does, and it shouldn't, but there's it's inherent just in the way I think about things. I mean, there are some projects that aren't 100%, you know, new, like the Darkwing Duck Gun. Other people have made those before, you know. Um, 
but I guess just in the with the final goal of the project is has a lot to do with it. Um, that one is, is was sort of like a, a vehicle to sort of learn a new software, like for Fusion 360. So, and I still haven't gotten to that point where I've finished that project yet either, because um, the other ones have gotten in the way and other things have. You know, I've reprioritized them in such a way that it's not probably in the next six months even. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it does take some of the, the magic out, but I need to try to, like you said, be realistic about it, Sean. And if, if I haven't even started it yet, then I, like you said, I can't get too mad. Um, and there are, there are a couple projects this year that are time sensitive. I'm going to try to, um, there's one that's DuckTales related and I would like to, for it to coincide with the new release of the, the new cartoon because that would help traffic and, you know, exposure. And just for timing's sake, it would be cool, but I don't know if it'll happen. So those are like individual projects and in a community, I I know Wes and I know, I guess I can include myself in this, that when you start your your business starts to form its own identity, like what if someone started encroaching on that? What if someone else with the new Twitch came out and was like, oh, "I'm all about Nintendo. Nintendo was super awesome. I'm going to make a YouTube channel that is solely based on making Nintendo props." I believe like, let's that, collaborate. That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> and that's that's a really good attitude to have because you could you could see that as you had that exclusivity, mm-hmm. you have the market share, or I mean, the, uh, the idea of putting a workshop, a mobile workshop, is not new. Um, a lot, of, a lot of people have done it. Sean Farbolin has the Maker on the Move, and Mike and Lauren started doing Makers on the Move, and I'm <laughs> not the only person who drags around tools and on wheels. But if someone else were to come out, you know, with an RV, you go, "Hey, I put a table saw on my RV. Look at me, I can do some stuff." And if they became more popular than I was, or put out things and that reached a broader audience, like. I would get kind of jealous and I would get kind of kind of stuffy, kind of pissy about it. But it's the same thing. Like we exclusivity and, and uniqueness mm-hmm. is a fleeting concept in the yeah. world where everybody can share. There's no true original idea, right? That's what they say. Yeah, look at Hollywood. Well, I think even if you do have, I mean, an original idea, I mean, I, I agree and I disagree with that, but like Inception. Ooh. That was but original. Nothing, that was awesome. <laughs> I think the idea that you that a project is yours or a style is yours or a concept right. is yours, like you don't get to claim what other people have thought. And Sean, there's no way for you to to put a hold on anybody else trying to make that product you know, while you no. designed your own. Yeah. And Wes, I'm sure you're not the only person who has a, a workshop who likes Nintendo. It's whenever those two things kind of blur together. Well, I like to do it too. So why can't I do that? I mean, how many people have made little eight bit Mario like wooden wall hangings? Like that's yeah. a really popular kind of project. It's very mm-hmm. I say sure. it's simple to do, but it's simple to do. People are like, oh well that's that's Wes's thing. Wes is the Nintendo guy or Josh the R V guy or Mark's the you know the the, the Lego guy or three D printing guy or whatever it is. Like that identity, besides a project, like that identity is just as fleeting as someone taking an idea before you did. Do you consider that one example? Sorry, so I thought that was an interesting example, Josh, that you said with the the eight bit Mario. Mm-hmm. Because I had I had seen a picture of one on Pinterest two and a half years ago, and I'd always table that of okay, well, I'm going to cut a bunch of cubes, I'm going to stick them together and paint them, and I'm going to do the same thing, but I'll make a video about it. And then I found out David Picciuto from Make Something had done it, and then I had seen another maker. I think it goes by Four Eyes. Made mm-hmm. one in a video, and I'm thinking if I went forward, and made, right? So if I went forward and made that now, is it? Am I basically just plagiarizing? I mean, is that well? A, they would have to plagiarize the guy who invented Mario, right? <laughs> well, okay. So I, I understand, like, there's just chain of custody through it, but I would feel really weird about doing that at that point. And yeah, I, it makes me feel weird. So sudden, right? In the yeah. same circle, and yeah, I. I know that's probably even a little bit hypocritical because, you know, I've made a lightsaber. I'm not 
you know, there's thousands of videos on YouTube doing it. I don't know. I have a weird feeling about doing things that if somebody in, in too close of a proximity has already done. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because like, like I said before, you know, you're, you're not going to do it the same exact way that somebody else does. You might have a different method that might be better than the two people who did it before you. But even so it's, it's something you enjoy doing, you know, so you're not doing it because they did it. You're not using the exact same steps that they did to use it. You're, you're approaching it in your, your own way with your mindset and your problem solving. But, so it, but in, it, it, yes, it's a similar, you know, video or process, but it's still yours ultimately. But in an but environment even in that, Josh, go ahead. I'm sorry. In that example that you gave with with Chris Salomo from Four Eyes and David Picciuto, uh in in Chris's video, he talks about David Picciuto's. He's like, you know, he did this. He made the Mario, or Chris made the little angry. He called him the, his son called him the angry poop, the little guy at the very beginning of the original Mario that everybody runs into. They made him in the same style, except like one had a backer board and one didn't, and so there was there was a small variation on the same idea. And he he makes that point in the video that it's. And Mark, exactly like you're saying, it's the same style of project, but done a little bit differently that you can make it your own. And again, even with David Picciuto's, like that wasn't his idea to steal, even though he made it wooden. But again, you saw it on Pinterest two some years ago. So unless you go track down exactly who that person was, Norm Abram is putting down the controller and going, I have an idea. Like that's not so in. Recently, in David Picciuto, he used a Glowforge to make one of those little pine tree-looking air fresheners. Like it or hate that video, he got backlash from, I guess, the company that owns the rights to that pine tree shape. Oh, I didn't realize and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And Wes, it kind of goes back to your not... There are no original ideas, like you're saying, but there is no exclusivity. Like, even though that co- that company owns that particular shape of air freshener and apparently are very, very stringent in their copyright uh, litigation. There's nothing preventing me other than some lawyer saying that I'm not supposed to and they're going to come try to find me. Like, I can cut that out myself. I can do it. There's nothing preventing me from doing that. I would have just, I would have described the whole thing differently and told the company, you know what, it's not an air freshener, it's decoration. Hmm. I think it's also like if you think that you're too close to what somebody else has done, if you preface it with saying, you know, like, you know, these people have done this before me, I mm-hmm. may have inadvertently been inspired by some of the things they did, but this, this is my attempt at it because I thought it was cool. You could also you be, know? yeah, like you say, it could be used like a community building apparatus, you know, instead of thinking everybody's on an island, you know, doing their own thing. You could make that bridge between the islands and sort of get some cross traffic, make a playlist of similar Mario projects. Then everyone gets, you know, some of the the views and stuff. Um, it could lead to a conversation that actually leads, you know, ends up being a collaboration later on. You never know. So, like, if I did find another Nintendo, there are a couple other makers that have found that are 3d printing stuff that's more you know nintendo related and i try to reach out to them because i think it's pretty cool you know see what stuff they've made and trying to do some stuff with them um i haven't seen anybody do a mario on a ceiling before and if i saw another person doing that i would like to see how they did it differently um that'd be kind of cool if we see anybody else do definitely... that, we're gonna invade their huh? comments and point them to your video <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely trying do to search, you know, to see if a project's been done before. It is like a little feather in the cap, like you say, a pride thing to say you have been first in a land of no original idea. If you manage to eke one out, no matter how insignificant, it's kind of fun. Sean, you've been on both sides of this you know, with your, your veneer rose, like other people have made that. Yeah, and other people have made that because they've seen you do it and they've cited you. Yeah. So not only are you on this side of the pinball conversation, you're also on the originator side of that idea. So how did that feel whenever you saw other people make something that? I mean, some people kind of 
threw you a bone and said, you know, I saw geek builders make this and other people just wanted to make it. And they had the same kind of intuition and thought that you did and put two and two together. It's like, I can make a rose out of this. I'm only aware. Did you demand that they, that they, you know, cite you or they demand that they give you some type of special treatment because they did something similar to what you did? Um, actually, no. And I'm only aware of two instances of of that um, that influence, I guess. And one person had, had asked me directly about it. They, not, they didn't ask me permission, but they asked me some questions about it, which I was happy to answer. And it, it's that a little bit of the, the cliche statement that um, imitation is the most sincerest form of flattery. And mm-hmm. the fact that somebody else wanted to make this thing that, that I had already made... Um, I thought was pretty cool because just to have that, I'm, I'm still really young in the game and to have that kind of influence on somebody else that likes something else that I made, that's really kind of an ego boost for me because I still don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm just figuring things out as I go along. And then Bob Claggett from I Like to Make Stuff actually pointed somebody in my direction for what I was making because they had asked a question about what you could do with you know, veneer. And I was flattered by that. One, that Bob had even known about the video um, but too that he, you know, directed somebody my way. So it was it was flattery, and I didn't care that they were making the same thing. Ideally, I'd like to have more views than they get, which hmm. isn't happening because that video still has not gotten that many views, and I'm, that that bugs me actually more than people copying it. <laughs> yeah, where you anticipate some, you know, traffic for a certain like, oh, this is the project that's gonna. You know, not make not like a breakout success, but at least do you have a projected? I, I was hoping. I was I submitted yeah. that for an instructables contest. Expecta- your expectation expectations, right? Yeah. Didn't place there. Didn't help the numbers. I, I've yeah changed the thumbnail on that video three times. I've changed the labeling to see if they've got any hand attraction. The new movie is out. I'm like, okay, it's gonna pick up now. Not a damn thing. And hmm. I think I think it's my best video too. Yeah, I thought the Mario cabinet was gonna do. Well, it didn't really do anything better than an average video for me. You never know. Yeah, it, it, I can't predict any of it. I think right now I'm a, I'm a couple pennies away from actually making some YouTube money and being mm. a real YouTuber. You can buy a coffee at the show with that money? <laughs> well, originally my idea was trying to make a project based on oh, YouTube yeah, earnings, but that, yeah. that was only when I made like $2 for <laughs> entire six months worth of YouTube traction. That's a really cool but idea. Now, I like that. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I inadvertently I did. It's just scraps, and I had a, I needed a, a carriage bolt, but the carriage bolt was like $4, and I only made like $2 <laughs> on YouTube money. I'm like, well, damn. <laughs> Screwed myself up. I can only get like a couple washers. <laughs> but that's like an important point, too, is that you know, if you're if you're trying to get in the YouTube game, you're trying to make, you have to be really careful because you could start, you know, losing money really quickly by, you know, the project that you're trying to make, investing in stuff that isn't going to yield the return that you really hope it's going to. I think it's also a lot of people trying to to chase that that thing that's not out yet. Like they're trying to force a viral video. Mm-hmm. And if you start a YouTube channel in the hopes of constantly just being on the cutting edge, it's a to to think that you're in an industry full of people that has no barriers to entry and to think that you're constantly going to be like in this category on your own like you're constantly going to reinvent the industry every single time you put out a video and hope that they all hit a grand slam like I don't think it's me being pessimistic I just don't think that that's very practical and just like you're talking about right now I mean the the tiny success that our little group you know, has had in YouTube, like, I don't think any one of the people that we know in our circles um, that would have, like, a very successful video could have claimed that that would have been the one that would have broke out, just like you're talking about right now. Like, you guys hoped or you put the effort into, you know, this is going to be you know, my signature piece where it wasn't. Like your Pac-Man like video, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, that, it still baffles me. I mean, I, I played to the crowd a little bit because I know that Pac-Man's a popular character. But I had no idea that I actually didn't think it was going to do any more than twenty thousand. So explain to the people at home that aren't familiar with the video. 
I did a project where I made a kind of like a desktop organi organizer set um, in the shape of the Pac-Man ghost and you know Pac-Man being the stapler. And fairly simple project. There's really not a whole lot of skill involved other than a little bit of tweaking for Pac-Man being the uh, the stapler. And it was my second video that I ever made. And that just passed what, a million plus views like two weeks ago. Yeah. Good job. Congratulations. It's the, uh, the house that uh, built Geek Builders or whatever. I'm not <laughs> saying that right. The video that built Geek Builders. Okay. The house that Geek built. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Where'd that shoehorn go? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked about this before. The idea of, you know, what you can make when you wanted to make anything and would you be deterred if the project that you had someone else made. I think we've yeah. kind of touched on this in our earlier shows. It just wasn't as real, I guess, as it is now. But the practical well, examples. It's, it's always gonna be a demon that hangs over our heads with every every last thing we do if we decide to put it out there, you know. I can talk about this from like a slightly different way too, is that anytime where I start feeling discouraged or I'm mad, I don't have a time, why can't I get to this project, why can't I do this right, I take two or three minutes and I go back and look at what I've already done. And it's a weird reminder. Um, I've been at this for almost a year and a half. I only have 21 videos out. But I, I look back and I remember what it took to get those 21 videos out. It reminds me that I have done something. I've already taken steps that a lot of other people haven't done in order to even get started. And that gives me a little bit of that boost in confidence again. Okay, I could do one more. I can do one more. Baby steps. Yep. I have a practical example where they, you know, missing that, that first wave had kind of deterred the project. Um, I know I talked about like escape rooms. I know we've mentioned them here before where it's like the puzzle rooms where they're themed and you get locked in for an hour and you have to get out. So a friend of mine and I were going to actually start our own business where we were going to do this here in Jacksonville. Cause there was only one company that did it and they didn't advertise really well. So they didn't have a lot of, a lot of traction. They didn't have what we thought was a lot of like business. So we came up with the ideas, three different rooms, we were looking at commercial property. We were buying all the pieces, like everything was in place and we were going to try to do our job and do the escape rooms on the weekend. So that you know, we could kind of have the best of both worlds. We can get a steady income and we could try to grow our business at the same time. And we thought we were on, you know, the, the, the forefront, there was only this one business and it wasn't really popular. So we still had a lot of market share to try to grab because they were really popular in all the big cities and Jacksonville didn't have any. And so, like, that was hugely motivating, and we wanted to try to get to it quickly to try to prevent someone else from coming into town that um, may buy into, like, a franchise or another big chain moving in that's already established and already has a name for themselves and marketing money and all that. And remember, we were looking at this one property that we liked, and we called the realtor. And she was like, uh, you know, what is your business? And, you know, we explained to her. She's like, oh, she's like, is this the same escape room that's going up on, you know, this road down by the beach in Jacksonville or this one other road in the, tr the hip <laughs> trendy one? She's like, are, are you the ones that are looking at those properties? We're like, yes, <laughs> please tell me more about those properties. And she like, she pretty much explained where exactly <laughs> the other people had been looking. So we knew that someone else was coming in and, and trying to jump in that space. And I think by the time we got our business plan together and we were we were putting money down to actually do it, those other places had already quickly started up because, like I said, they were chains or they were like franchises, and so it was a lot easier for them just to go ahead and take another model that exists in another city and just transplant it here. So by the time we were actually going to go, in a very very short time, there was one smaller operation to four major operations. And so we did the math to try to see um, you know, how many people were actually going to these things divided by those different places, how much we would end up making you know, divided by two because it was a, a, a dual partnership and we weren't going to be making any money and the return on investment really wasn't that high. And we always thought like, well, if we would have got out in front of this a lot sooner, would that story have changed? And you know, it may or may not have, but being able to capitalize on 
an empty market is something that you definitely have to look at as an opportunity as a business owner or as a potential business owner or as a project maker or as a woodworker. Um, you know, it's, you're trying to differentiate your, you know, whatever product enter here, your reclaimed tables, your whiskey boxes, your little beer bottle openers, right? It's, those very popular kind of startup woodworking projects that you sell at craft fairs or something. How do you differentiate your stuff from someone else's and how do you highlight something cool that you've made? And it's, you, you gotta, you gotta get on it quick. And Sean, I think you, you've kind of hit that point home where this was your idea that you've had for a long time and you've nurtured it. You've fostered it. I'm sure you've got notebooks detailing all the little pieces of it, right? Quite a bit. Yeah. But when you have that, that little egg, start to hatch like it's good you got to run and you got to run fast because you know the people are on your heels because someone else is going to have that cool idea too unless you're crystal pepsi then that, that's that's a diamond <laughs> in the rough <laughs> no one else wants that one i wonder how much of our audience still, remembers crystal pepsi it's still being sold i just yeah, saw they, it yeah, they, they brought came out with it again yep it was disgusting in the 80s. Is it any better now? It tastes like Pepsi. Yeah. I don't it think it tastes, tastes like, like Pepsi, Pepsi. But your mind, you're expecting that brown and your mind's like, something's wrong. I, I'm never expecting a brown. It just, just Dirty. That's a terrible catchphrase. <laughs> I'm never expecting brown. <laughs> UPS could buy into that. <laughs> do we got anything else to talk about on uh, getting out in front of the crowd no and you said it before that we've touched on this a little bit before but I think that we're even farther along now uh, than we were with that first conversation mm -hmm. I think we have a little bit more insight than we initially did I'm kind of proud that I remembered that. Dude. This is 37 episodes in. I don't remember what we talked about before. <laughs> We're going to start keeping track of things that we've already talked about. Yeah. Well, it's weird. When I was in college, I hosted a radio show for a little bit. And the person that was mentoring me was like, well, you have to kind of reinvent or reintroduce what it is you're talking about because you never know when somebody is going to be introduced to your material. And they did it on radio because usually they can keep people for a short amount of time. So you kind of have to constantly like re talk about your topic or reintroduce a guest because you're never sure when somebody pops in. I'm like, I wonder if that applies to podcasts or if people that have actually been listening to our stuff are going to start like, you talked about that already. Like if I can't remember, I think, it, I think I it's safe to say that we can that. reintroduce it. Yeah. Well, as long as you say that we've talked about this before, but we're going to reiterate in case there's any new listeners. I, I think that's okay. I don't think many people require us and, to remember. Yeah. I think most people that find a podcast for the first time will listen to the most current one and then eventually go back and listen to past ones. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll spoil rogue one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see a question uh, for anybody listening. If you would like to tell us like how you found out about us and how you've preferred to listen to us. You know, have you started at one? Had you like, have you started at the most recent and then went back to one? Have you gone in reverse chronological order for some reason? Uh, let us know. That'd be interesting. Actually, we'd love to hear any info regarding how you found the podcast and yeah. what, what drew you to it. Was it our fabulous voices? Our impeccable production value? Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what are you geeking out about this week? I I really don't have anything. Um, All right, Mark. <laughs> yeah, just keep it going because I I honestly don't. <laughs> other I'm, I'm than being cut off of the feet. <laughs> no pun intended. I'm geeking out yeah, about uh, about Legion on Fox. They're doing a really good job. Really good storytelling. Really, really creepy bits. But, uh, yeah, that's... I, I think somebody finally outside of the Marvel family is doing a decent job at a uh, at a, at a Marvel storyline. 
that's that's really all I got. Josh? Mm, here's a couple of things. I'm geeking out about my wife. I know that that's just me trying to get brownie points, but I really am geeking out about my wife. Uh, she has started her own... Well, I mean, she's always had like her personal Instagram account where she posts, I don't know, wifey, girly things like everybody's wife does. But she started a channel for our our journey because she wants to start vlogging because it's a really popular and you know thing for travelers and, and full-time families to vlog about their experience. It's only for people to, I guess, live vicariously through other people's travels. And she, I'm trying to find the name because it's long. And she's going to get mad that I don't know by heart. I'm looking up and I can't spell. Where does she go? Anyway, I think it's called a beautiful, unique journey. I might have gotten that wrong. I don't think I did. But it's on Instagram. And she wants to start a YouTube channel. Because she and I have talked about, like, I don't want my workshop channel to become a vloggy kind of thing. Which is where it's kind of gone. I know I've had conversations within a group about identity crisis. And the YouTube has wanted my workshop stuff to become a, an RV vlog. Which I kind of don't want it to be. So she's taken that over. So she's been trying to record videos lately. And it's been really, really fun. With my super cute wife trying to make like a, a vlog and using the cameras and me just being stupid and goofy in the background eating potato chips while she's trying to do a monologue. So it's been really, <laughs> really fun. And we just did our taxes recently and we were watching a video by uh, Less Junk, More Journey, this RV vlog with this young couple. And I think I might have talked about him before, but he's got uh, a DJI Phantom 3. And Tiff's like, we need a drone. And <laughs> And you were like, like, yes. My, my heart grew three sizes too big. And I was like, <laughs> do we now? She's like, well, yeah, since we're getting our tax return back, she's like, I think we're going to get a drone. And I think originally that was going to be one of my Christmas presents. I was going to get the uh, Karma. <clears throat> and the Karmas are, are back. They're for sale now. So I think I'm going to be getting a drone soon for my wife's channel. Not for me. Not that it's some toy. It's, it's for... For the journey. Now this is production <laughs> so, equipment. Exactly. Right. Can you so imagine the cool shot? Wife. Like you know, you're on like a nice country, uh, or say a um, vista overlooking the ocean, and you see like the RV driving off into the distance. It's like the drone in follow <laughs> mode, tracking behind you. I was gonna build a little like SpaceX little landing pad that I was gonna put on top of the <laughs> RV. Dude. <laughs> And so in some like Casey Neistat style where the drone is like chasing the RV like down the high wagon, just like just land it right on top. If, if, you get the, uh, if you get the DJI Phantom, you can, I think you can actually program that and put it in follow mode and it will mm -hmm. actually auto follow you. It'll follow the controller. Yeah. So I don't think the Karma has follow mode. I think, yeah, the, I don't think it does. Um, the Phantom does and then the Mavic does. You know, it's only Casey Neistat style if you crash like 30 of them. Yeah, we're not going to go with that. <laughs> and I know that if I, I'm the one to play with it in the moment that I crash it, it's going to be a whole screaming conversation. So I think I'm going to let her play with it first and just see what it takes to be able to. Because I used to fly the remote control helicopters for a while for a very short period of time. And I crashed the piss out of that thing all the time. It's, it's completely different. Right, and that's what people are telling me. Like, it is—it's such a, a smart device that it's you're not yeah, really my, flying it as much. It's just kind of telling it where to go. Yeah, my my friend did the same thing. He used to build the remote control helicopters and stuff. So when he was starting to get into it for his photography, we bought the little mini ones, and we were flying those around. And then he got the the big one, and he's like, "It's it. I don't know what I was worried about. It goes. It does. It, you know, whatever." So, but you can get pretty complicated with them. There was a he found a program where you can actually have it map out a building in 3D, and then 3D print that building. Oh, neat! So there, there's some really cool software out there for him. Yeah. So her channel is beautiful, unique story. I think I said that right the first time. So head on over to Instagram and check it out. If you're the least bit interested in our journeys and travels and all that jazz, like she does all that. She takes very artsy, pretty pictures. With sunsets, go check her stuff out. Wes, what about you? Um, Tell me about Zelda. Zelda, ooh yeah. 
It's it might be one of the best games I've played ever. Ever? Maybe. The, the, just like the, uh, the 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 exploration factor, like they do it better than any other game I've ever seen. Like they really do have like the the hard to explain kind of visceral experience of in real life going to like a mountain ridge and overlooking the valley. You know, in real life, they mm-hmm. replicate that very accurately in this game. So. Not only do you hope there's a treasure chest at the top of this mountain or some big boss to fight, which there isn't always, just going to the top of the mountain to get the view of what's on the other side is is a legitimate like draw in this game. And it keeps me wanting to go to the next area. And all the vistas and different landscapes are so different and varied. And we have rainforests and deserts and uh deserty areas that are just completely flat and barren desert areas with like plateaus and kind of sandstone wily coyote like environments you have uh, volcanic areas you have swamps i mean it's just beach areas you have an island which is incredible which i wish i could talk about because it it it, it, i can't even say anything (laughs) because it would ruin it for someone but it just completely caught me off guard what they did with that in that little experience on the game. And it was just pretty remarkable. Um, and like a lot of reviews have kind of said like out of all the characters in the game, the, the world is like the best character because they put so much Mm. like time and effort into making that enjoyable. I mean, they would have like stretches of grassy Hills and stuff with no bosses or anything in there. It's just, you're running to get somewhere and you're just experiencing, there's like the winds blowing and there's crickets and stuff. You swat at the grass, cut the grass down. There's crickets that fly out. There's um, um, lightning bugs. I mean, there's, it's just very, um, it's sort of like the, the environment of red dead, which was a very good immersive environment. If anyone's ever played red dead redemption, um, such a great, it's, it's, like that's scale, but bigger. Um, and with like Zelda layered on top of it. So it's, it's, it's quite good. And the switch functionality, I'm enjoying a lot more than I thought. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was playing Zelda. No surprise. And it came time for me to go pick up Samantha at the bus stop. And so instead of, I, I, I turned the, the console off and I started going up the stairs. I'm like, wait a minute, I can actually bring it with me. And I have to like hmm. consciously think about that. And so I'm like, oh, let me just grab it out the dock, run upstairs, go out to the bus stop. It was a nice day outside. I went, I was there maybe 10 minutes earlier than normal. So I was just sitting on like this grassy hill playing Zelda, sitting on a grassy hill <laughs> running around. So it was really cool. Definitely recommend it. This grass looks so real. It must be so nice. <laughs> Can you picture Wes running through and frolicking as he's playing? Oh, yeah. It's it's fun. It's really fun. And you have to buy Zelda separate when you buy the Switch, or does it come with it as its pre-release You have game? to buy it, yeah. Okay. It's worth it, though. Even if if you have a Wii U, the, the game exists for that as well, and graphically there's not much of a difference um, from everything that I've seen. So if you're not anticipating getting a Switch, pick it up for the Wii U. You won't be disappointed. Very good. Even if you never played a Zelda game, which there are people that haven't, you just want something different to play, check it out. You might be surprised. Now, where does the story fall in the Zelda? Uh, I, th- I think it's after Link to the... Uh, no, it's after Zelda 2, Adventure of Link, I think. Someone's oh, going to really? correct me. I think so. Because you have like the three different timelines. Um, I, guess, the, I guess so confused that those are the timelines. <laughs> yeah. It, it can go into another podcast on its own. But basically the, the gist is uh, you've been a... The, the kingdom was at peace. And then Ganon, which is the evil creature that you always fight. He basically destroyed everything. And you've been awoken as you do in every Zelda game, Link wakes up at the beginning of the game and you've been in sort of like, instead of most of the games, you're in like your house as a kid and you wake up 
and you go out, you know, find your first sword and all this stuff. This time you're like in a chamber and you've been like in like a stasis and you're, you're woken up mm-hmm. and you know, I think a hundred years has passed. And I so think like G man has a lot to do with Zelda <laughs> fall us or link falling asleep and waking back up. If anyone gets that reference, I'm hoping Sean does. Of course. One of my favorite game franchises. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's 100 years after, and people, you're kind of remembered as like a legend, and people don't really believe it's you, like when you see them and interact with people in the environment. And so you kind of have to like prove yourself to them, and you, you lost all your memories, mm-hmm. and you end up with this camera in the game, which it's kind of a weird thing. Like, you, it actually says camera. It's not named like mystical imaging stone or something, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But you, you in part of the game, you receive these images that are downloaded. Like, yes, your the data on the, the the camera is corrupted, and some person fixes it for you, and you see these like images that Zelda took with your camera of different parts in the landscape. So when you find, you basically look at the picture and have to find where that picture was taken. And when you do, then it unlocks different memories and stuff. So it's pretty neat. So Link has an iPhone. He he does. He has a he has a tablet. Yeah. <laughs> And some of the, the storyline stuff, Zelda like you Zelda. put it on this pedestal and there's like this giant d- like device over it. And there's sort of like a technical s- spin on this game, which there hasn't been in a lot of other Zelda games. And like when you're downloading like a map, it kind of drips off of a stalactite. And the, drip, the glowing drip hits your device and that's what downloads the information. It's weird. But hmm. in a visual kind of, they made it sort of make sense in a, not technical standpoint. I don't know. It's it's pretty cool storyline and just visualization and everything. I've talked too much about this. Sorry for everybody who doesn't care about Zelda. We're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> I'm done. But it's it's good. Sad eye. So I'd like I'd like to talk about Patreon for a minute. I know Wes, you usually do the Patreon yeah, pitch at the end. Um. So for those who don't know what Patreon is, and again, this is not. Like a, there's not that part in church where preachers like you gotta pay for everything and they pass around the bucket. That's not what this is about. You know, Patreon is a venue for for a listener and or a fan or someone who appreciates content that is given away for free because it is to to kind of throw back to the people that make it. You know, you appreciate what they're doing, you get you see and you have value in whatever it is that's being produced, even though it's not asked. It you kind of you know tip the cap. I know all of us have supported makers on Patreon. You know, I had a whole host of people um, that I know that they may not have needed it, but I know it went toward production value or adding different um, abilities or things to whatever their either their YouTube channel, their podcast, their artistry. It supported them so that they could continue making whatever it was because I had value in it. You know, if Casey Kasem accepted donations, I'm pretty sure somebody would throw him a nickel or two every once in a while, even though he did what he did in their eyes for free. Um, it allows us to do more. Um, the production value, I hope, I really, really hope that people have noticed that the production value and the audio quality has gotten better. Um, we've received a lot of, not a lot, but we've received feedback and we'd like to get better. So with our Patreon support that we get, not only did we get stickers and things when we were in Boston to be able to promote the show on that bigger venue, we were also able to uh, buy different software packages to try to help the production quality, which in theory is there to respond to the listeners and show that we are receiving your information and your input and that we care and we are taking strides to make it better. But that takes effort and it takes money. Uh, hosting this on our website takes money. You know, Sean, uh, Sean and Wes, whenever we originally made the podcast, it was amazing how fast that went and it, it created the idea that it was simple because they were just very skilled at it, and it's not. The amount of time that Sean, as a public school teacher, takes to edit this video and to put it together, you know, that takes his time. So Patreon is not a plug to try to get you to pay us money for giving you something for free. That's not the intent. We would like to provide you with more. And for us to be able to provide you with more, there it, it comes at a cost. And even if you go over to Patreon, we're offering even more on top of that. So you do get extra things. So it's not just that you get to sit in the corner 
of a little Skype screen while we're recording the show. Like there's physical, tangible things that you can go because we appreciate your listenership. We appreciate the loyalty that people have with the show. And it's really, really encouraging to us. So if you haven't considered it before, just go on over there and take a look. That's all we're asking. It's not, you know, West talks about the give a penny, leave a penny. If that's the analogy you want to use, outstanding. Um, it's like when, you know, the guitarist on the side of the road has a little case open and you throw a nickel in there, but you get to reach inside that guitar case and take something cool. Use that analogy. Um, so head on over to patreon.com slash making geeks and just see what's over there. Peruse around. If it's something that, that you think is awesome, something that you can get value in, um, a product or something that you can receive from us, then head on over there and see if it's something that you'd be interested in doing. Even something that you think would be cool and it's not there. You know, it's also like a communication venue as well. You know, it's a way to sort of get in direct communication with us and be a sort of a closer unit. I don't know how how to describe that. Um, like it's like a backstage pass, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. In Friends a lot of ways benefits. too, especially because the videos that we make Friends available through, through Patreon. Right. You know, things that get cut out of the final show. And if you're not able to give, and we understand that you know times might be tight for some people, just not able to, you know, give up that money um, for each episode, then the best way you can help is one by listening, and two, tell somebody else about the show, get somebody else involved. We're trying to expand our audience to as many people as possible, and that's where you can help out. Leaving a review on iTunes. Like I said, we we received the comments about the audio quality, and we know it's important to begin with. We elevated it on a priority level because we got that feedback on iTunes, which not only helps promote the show you know, in Apple's eyes, that feedback comes straight to us, and we can use it to make the show better. So... Getting involved with us, if this is on your regular downloads on your phone through whatever podcasting app, then we appreciate you letting us into your world. If we're part of your commute or part of your downtime, I mean, that's amazing to us. And thank you for you know including us in your world. But you know, we can offer more to you, not just you offering stuff to us. So you know, check out those venues, going over to the website, head out over to patreon.com and see, again, what more we can offer you as the listener uh, and head on over to iTunes and help us out a little bit. Say some goofy words like Keith Decent or offer some extremely goofy show topics like uh, we did last week, which was really fun. But we love the engagement and the interaction we have with people that find value in our show, and we really do appreciate it. For sure. Yep. Great. Yeah. Well, new episodes come out every Saturday. And we'd like to thank everybody for hanging out with us as always. Have a good night. Good night. Good weekend, everybody. Take care, folks. Wes's smooth, buttery tones. Oh, yeah.